Praise the Lord. As you're aware, uh, we have been in a series on um, spiritual gifts, fleshly gimmicks. And um, over the last few days, and especially last night, the uh, Lord dealt with me. And basically, there's some stuff on the horizon here in this nation that he shifted my gears. It's like our, that's one thing, and it's important. But the stuff that we're dealing in with all the, the, the violence and the, the, the news reports and all this crazy stuff going on that there's a lot of things that are at stake for our nation. And quite frankly, um, I said it before that I believe America is on the decline. I believe that America is either starting to be judged, is being judged, or is definitely on the cusp of it occurring based because of uh, because of the sort of things that we've been doing and supporting and condoning and endorsing. Amen. So that being the case, starting a series, When a Nation Forgets God. And our text scripture is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 20. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which bringeth thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to, thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do, all that thou, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. As the nations with the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of of the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, that you be glorified in our lives. And right now, we just praise you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, that you would allow us to evaluate the state of our nation, the world system, our government, 
our educational systems, our family structures, even our own day-to-day mindset. And we just praise you, Father, that you would speak to our hearts in this time and season. Lord, show us how to pray, how to witness, how to interact with others. Show us the things that we should be focusing on versus the things that we should be abstaining from. And we just give you the glory, honor, and praise, Father, that you would make us a good and godly remnant in the midst of all the things that are going on that are contrary to your word. We praise you. Thank you, Father, that our light would shine, that it would not be hidden under a bushel, that you would make us the people that people will come through in times of trials and tribulation, that um, the love, the compassion, the wisdom, the spirit by which you enable us to operate would draw people to us and therefore also unto, into your kingdom. And we just thank and praise your Father for this, for a spirit of liberty, for a spirit of wisdom, for, for the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation within us to go out more powerfully than ever before. We just thank and praise you, Lord, also to let us be discerning of the times and the seasons as we will see things in our lives, as we will see things in the news and across our nation. Let us be cognizant, let us be insightful, let us be well-informed, and let us be power with wisdom from above. We just thank and praise your Father for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. As I said, this title, When a Nation Forgets God, and, you know, we come from years and years of um, being a blessed nation, one that was founded regardless of the people that tried to change history. We were founded as one nation under God. You know, to the point that it's literally on our currency and they try to say, oh, the forefathers weren't this, the forefathers weren't that. They're trying to rewrite history. These people were God-fearing men. And yes, they had different things that have been done through the generations. We had slavery. We had internment camps for the Japanese. We had McCarthyism where we accuse people of being communists and blackball them from business. But the reality is that we were, in all of our imperfections and faults, we were still a nation that was uh, sovereignly ordained and founded upon the principles of God. But as I'm really uh, been praying and the Lord's been speaking things to me and speaking things to Pam, we're seeing that America is in such a decline that, believe it or not, a lot of things we're seeing right now or the beginning of step, the beginning steps that actually happened in Germany with the Nazi party. A lot of stuff is right in motion right now. The mindset, the mentality, the things that are going on. And see, we're walking around on a daily basis, we're at ease, everything's hunky-dory. You know, I got a nice car, I got a nice house, I live in a safe neighborhood, everything is fine. I'm here to tell you today that everything is not as fine and as, as comfortable and at ease as we've liked it to be. And I'm not trying to instill a spirit of fear. What I'm saying is don't believe the hype, you know, and don't believe that America is so righteous that we cannot go the same path as some of the other nations that have fallen over the years. We've seen empires over in China and Egypt um, the Mayan civilization, we saw Rome at the top of the world. All those nations fell, and America is following the same pattern as a lot of those nations, even right now. Amen? Now, as I was praying to the Lord, he showed me that one of the sources of the problem, and I think I, I actually shared this a little bit last week and in a Bible study uh, one Thursday night. If you look at, really look back at America life and society. Decades ago, children were academically educated in schools, 
and they were instilled uh, with a, a reverence for, for learning, you know, the spark of creativity and imagination and all these things were placed into children. They couldn't get it home. You know, most of us remember having a favorite teacher. I remember back in third grade, I had a um, uh, teacher, Mrs. Shull, uh, never forgot her, third grade teacher. She was tough. Uh, I couldn't remember if she had muscular dish. I think she had polio. And she had an equipped van that she could drive herself and let her out in the chair. And I just never forgot her. And she was tough, but you knew she loved you. So she put something in you that went with you. And as we see here, I'm years and years past third grade. Just a couple years. But um, past third grade. But I still remember her. She left a an imprint on me. And that's how it was. You got academically inspired, motivated um, in the school system. Then you went home to families and you had what they called the nuclear family. Mom and dad, you had siblings, you had a neighborhood where, you know, the whole village or the whole street raised your child and if my parents weren't around and I did something wrong, the neighbors would say, Brian, don't do this or Keith, don't do that or you kids stay over, get over from, from there and stay over here. And everybody listened because you had a good society. Now parents about to fight each other living next door. Amen? Well, mama said, nobody says anything to my kids even when they're tearing my house up. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then you have the situation where the family is so dysfunctional and so broken in terms of the heart, the mind, the different things that transpire that the reverence for authority, the sense of security, the sense of being one of something that would be there for you in times of need, that sense has been lost. And then the third area where children had it being raised was the church. Families took their children to church. So they got a reverence for education and academics in school. They got a reverence for authority, society at home, and a sense of values. And at church, they got a sense of reverence, adoration, and learned obedience to a higher power. Unfortunately, Satan has instilled a level of disrespect and disbelief in God in this day and age. We have people that are out and out atheists. We have some people that are agnostics and say, I don't know if there is or if there isn't. And even those who claim to be followers of a certain religion sometimes define their own guidelines and, and, and game rules to how they live out that life. You know, I'm a Muslim, but I still do this. I'm a Buddhist, and I still do this. I'm a Christian, I still do this things that are contrary to the word. And do you have some people who are universalists that all roads lead to the same God? So I'm mixing a little bit of Buddha and Allah and Jesus and whoever else to define their own religion. And they don't realize that Satan himself has deceived them, seduced them, corrupted them. And instead of people having a heart to pray for those in authority and to follow the principles of God, we have people that are openly defying it. This generation, because of Satan, has been inspired with selfishness, rebellion, dysfunction. We've got broken marriages and homes. We've got broken people. Our schools have been turned into places of violence, insubordination, and lust as some teachers are sleeping with their students or fighting them. So this is where we've seen these things occur. And here's a funny thing. 
uh, well, not funny, but Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, once stated, the gas chambers of Auschwitz were the ultimate consequence of the theory that man is nothing but the product of heredity and the environment. Or as the Nazis used to say, of blood and soul. I'm absolutely convinced that the gas chambers of Auschwitz, Treblinka, and Maidenek were ultimately prepared not in some ministry or other of Berlin, but rather at the desk and in the lecture halls of nihilistic scientists and philosophers. So in other words, the devil is not going to lead people astray by saying, let's throw on our uniforms and grab our guns. Instead, the devil and those who are following his principles will instill those things into little Johnny and little, C and little Susan so that they are raised up with that type of mindset. And that being the case, they don't have to fight hard to convince them to do something that's totally contrary to God and devoid of conscience. Instead, since they have been raised up with a mindset that says, I define my own rules, whatever I deem to be right is correct, they'll go right along with it. And we're seeing this right before our eyes. I mean, the things you're seeing this day and age. Tony tells you almost every week, this kid is threatening a student. I mean, a, a student is threatening a teacher. Kids are fighting each other. Teachers are, are fighting each other. How can you expect the kids to get it right when the adults aren't getting it right? And when they have no, no, it, nothing to inspire them and show them how to live right, what can we expect that things are going to become more chaotic? We're seeing this every day, you know, fighting over the LGBT bathrooms. And you had a situation the other day, and they're saying, oh, he's not, he's not in that group, you know. Woman's at a diner, a seven-year-old goes to the bathroom. God bless you. Next thing you know, she hears a scream, goes in there, and a man had choked out, choked her daughter unconscious and was taking her behind a stall. Oh, but y'all want transgenders to just go in any old bathroom? And yeah, maybe he wasn't, but the fact is you're opening up the door for such a thing to occur. And people think this is okay. And see, the, the more you fight it and you try to reason Against the nonsense, the more they fight you and tell you you're a bigot, you're a hate monger. You just think you're so righteous. They don't realize that having a mindset and an attitude devoid of any guidelines, any principles, any standards is basically, once again, leading us to another Germany right here in America. Amen? There's a philosopher, George Santayana. You've probably heard this. He once stated, those who disregard history are condemned to repeat it. We are right now repeating it. See, and the reason we say that, and it's so important that we're watchful and prayerful now, we stand ground, we're willing to speak up when we see things that don't make sense or things that are outright wrong. The reason we need to speak up is that Hitler didn't come in one day and say, arm up, we're going to take the world and exterminate the Jews, this is something that got planted in the minds of people. It started to percolate, started to spread, and then it grew to the point where they became the Third Reich and tried to do all the atrocities that they committed. Amen? It didn't start one day. They spoke into their minds little by little by little. And that is what the enemy is trying to do in this day and age. 
whether it's through TV or the radio or media, through the newspapers, through casual conversation. You, you'll be in conversations with people, and they'll say something. You challenge them, and they look at you like, you're the bigot, you're the racist, you're this or that. See, they're trying to teach you through intimidation that you either have to accept what we're saying or you're wrong. And I even saw on a, a program the other day, somebody said something along the lines of, it's not a case nowadays of we agree to disagree or you say something and you go your way and I go mine. It's not even a case of I don't agree with you, but I'll allow this to happen. They're not, ha they're not happy in this day and age until you say, no, I agree as well and I join you. Amen? That's how crazy the nonsense is in this day and age. So once again, we appear to be heading in a course that's similar to Rome, Nazi Germany, and other fallen nations. And uh, the purpose of the series is not to, depress, to depress anybody. It's instead meant to caution and encourage us, amen, to be prayerful and watchful, to pray for the restoration of our nation, to stand our ground, to speak our minds as the Spirit leads us, not our flesh and our ego and our pride. And to also, and most importantly, look for opportunities to minister to those who are lost, seduced, corrupted, corruptive, and, and deceived, rather. This is a time for us to look for opportunities to witness to us. Amen? So if anything, as it relates to the kingdom of God, these are great times. As they say, the fields are white. God is looking for some harvesters, some laborers to get out there in the field. Are you ready to go? Amen? Or are you drinking the Kool-Aid? <laughs> That's what we got to be afraid of. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. See, you nod your head too long, you might get to the point where you start buying into it. See, and you don't have to openly defy, I resist you. I don't agree with you. I totally, sometimes you can just, uh, I'll be polite, but I'm not, I'm not buying into that. And I tell people a lot of times, you know, I've had people try to press me to get me to think a certain way. I say, you keep pressing on as much as you want. I am not changing my mind. Well, you're stubborn. Yeah, I'm stubborn. You're talking foolishness. I'm the most stubborn man on this planet. Now, if you've got something that makes sense and it's not contradictory to the word of God, I'm open. I'm always open to the expressing ideas and exchanging information in a good, lively debate. But if you're wrong, it gets to a certain point where there's a line drawn in the sand in my mind. You could talk to we blue, you blue in the face, pass out on the ground, rolling around. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to condone it. I'm not going to not make it. No, 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 no. So save your breath. Go find somebody else that you can intimidate, manipulate, and deceive. Not this one. And you don't have to like me. Because I'm going to stand for God and his word, whether you like it or not. I'm going to stand for certain values and principles, whether you like it or not. Amen. Now, what are some of the things that the enemy is spreading as we're looking at the source of this problem? You know, one of the first things that the Lord placed in my heart is, is the principle of teaching that there is no God. And I've heard this, man, years ago, people used to be ashamed to say they didn't believe in God. They keep it to themselves. Man, these people look in your eye right now with pride. I'm an atheist. Oh, you believe in God? Are you one of those superstitious, unintelligible, unintelligent rather, superstitious folks that believe in God? Atheists are quite cocky right now. <laughs> Amen? And the crazy thing is I said before about different cults. 
you know, that are out there, you know, don't mess with a Jehovah Witness unless you know your stuff. Don't mess with a Mormon unless you know your stuff. They study, their, they study to show themselves approve what they believe. And if you're walking around, if you haven't touched your Bible in the last year, you better not get into a conversation with them. You'll be coming out, whoa, they're going to mess my mind up. You need to know what you know that you know that you know. Study to show yourself approved because they will mess you up. And these atheists nowadays, they will try to come at you and they try to come with scientific evidence and history. And the thing is, they'll spout stuff that ain't even true. Oh, there's no proof of Jesus. There's no archaeological days. There's nothing. There's nothing in history that talks about David. And, and you sit there, you've never done the, taking the time to do any research. You'd be like, well, dang, uh, I thought this stuff was true. You can't let them mess you up. you got to study to show yourself approved because they're getting aggressive with this thing now. Amen? Some of them even go the other route. Well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. But I also believe in Shiva and Ra and Osiris and, and Confucius and Aristotle and Plato and all the other isms that are out there. And they'll explain to you why you can have Jesus. You can have a little bit of this and that too. And if you don't know your word, you'd be like, well, you know, maybe they're right. No, maybe you got deceived. Jesus made it clear that he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and there's only one way, one path to salvation through to his shed blood. Anything else is a, is a lie out of the pit of hell. But the enemy will try to deceive you. So as I said here, uh, one of the things they try to teach you is that there is no God. If you look at Psalm 14, 1 through 3, it says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. I remember, just had a fond memory. <laughs> um, Jean Vorders, when I worked at Blue Cross, we used to call her Mama Jean. It was like she was the apostle, the, the, the patron saint over Blue Cross. Everybody just knew her. And the thing is, people that were vehement, vehemently anti-Christian or anti-religion, they wouldn't mess with her. Because I can't remember her exact position, but she was like right under the CEO. And he loved Mama Jean too. You can step to Mama Jean you want. You might be stepping out the door. It didn't matter what you're, you could be a director of this, a VP of this. Like, don't mess with Mama Jean because <laughs> that was his mama too. <laughs> and I remember one day we were on an elevator and this guy was talking about his Dungeons and Dragons and his collectibles and his magic this and his elves that and sci-fi this and that. And he just running off on the mouth and, you know, she's sitting there just, Mama Jean, peaceful. And she said, okay, well, that's, that's good, son. You know, um, well, do you ever go to church? You believe in God? Oh, there's no God. And just as sweet, she said, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Just as sweet, though. I was like, wow. She, I'm sitting there like, wow, that's deep. She just called this guy a fool and just as sweet. And he didn't get offended. He just kind of like, oh. I was like, man, that's smooth. I would have been a fool and said in his heart. That I ain't that, I'm not that smooth. I'm not that calm, cool, collected. And Mama Jean was just, just quoted the word. And 
the atmosphere of the elevator changed. <laughs> and he walked out the elevator. I don't know if he got saved or not, but he had a moment of, oh. <laughs> but see, the, the thing is, people will say this, and, and what they don't realize, the danger in saying that there is no God and believing that, or having a mindset that I can define my own type of righteousness. Serial killers, sociopaths have their own form of righteousness. I read an article, um, I can't remember her name, there's this woman, I think she's a college professor and she, she teaches and that's one of her areas of study. She is actually a sociopath and so she has a website devoted to it and she said, you know, there's different forms of sociopaths. She said, you know, a sociopath is based on my, can do whatever, has no conscience whatsoever about it. There is no right or wrong. It's like, I feel like doing it. This is my impulse. This is what's on my mind. They don't have the checks and balances in their wiring to say, don't do that. And she says, the difference between me and some other sociopaths is that one sociopath can, like, just slit your throat and just sit there and eat, eat some popcorn and be sitting there next to the person dead and feel nothing. She's like, I know I'm a sociopath, but she said, I have a defined set of guidelines that will never allow me to cross into that area. But she said, emotionally speaking, she could do it and not feel a thing. And throughout her life, she was able to get by, you know, dating people and, you know, oh, I love you, oh, I love you too, and feel nothing. But she knew how to mask it to let people think she had the feelings. But she says, I have nothing. But imagine, this woman here is a professional. She teaches at college level. I think she's written books. Very articulate, very eloquent and intelligent. God bless you. And she's totally balanced with at least a set of guidelines. But think of the number of people walking around on a daily basis that have no such guidelines. They have no such inhibitors. you got to realize that when man renders God dead in his heart and mind, he is nothing more than an untamed animal with no conscience. I mean, even people that from a day-to-day -day basis have a set of moral guidelines, look how quickly the switch can turn off. Well, I was in a loving relationship. I got drunk and I cheated on my husband or wife. Oh, a couple drinks and your switch of right or wrong went off? Okay, that's one thing. Another time, oh, well, I can never do anything wrong. Next you know, handcuffs coming on, embezzled millions of dollars from the company. See, if people don't suddenly one day say, I'm, a, I'm Honest Joe. No, I got out of bed, rough day. I think I'm going to go steal millions of dollars from my company. No. Everybody, for the most part, unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath, you believe that there's some set of guidelines, a line that you won't cross. But we see that even people who have a fairly good moral compass, a lot of times they will cross those lines. I snapped out. I killed those people? You know, people go into a job and shoot it up. A lot of times you see these people, they look like they're dazed. Like, what? Huh? Was it Susan Smith drowned her kids? They came out and she's like, what, what happened? Why am I in cuffs? Lady, you just locked your kids in the car and... Dropped in the lake. What do you mean what's going on? See, a, a switch got flipped. We don't have the Holy Spirit. The stuff that we're capable of. Do you realize that every day we're surrounded by a lot of dangerous people that a, a moment, a bad situation, a random thought, 
away from doing something crazy to you. But thank God, amen, we are balanced and we have a, the Holy Spirit to protect us, to govern us. I'm not saying, yeah, we should be walking around every day like, <gasps> I'm scared, but I'm, I'm saying there's a reality out here in this day and age that the more God you have, I mean, think of the impulses and thoughts that cross our minds from day to day. And imagine living in a godless society where there is no checks and balances to what you are capable of doing. Now, we look at Germany and the atrocities. They killed millions of Jews. But how many of us go around on a daily basis and said, look at our nation. We've done 10 times that much. Maybe in a year, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers are, probably tens of thousands, I would think. Multiply by how many years we've allowed it. But we look at Nazi Germany, oh, look how evil they are. But we don't walk around on a daily basis, look at our evil nation and all the blood we shed. You know, a lot of those people they killed in Germany, not justifying, but at least they were grown. We're righteous when we've killed innocent babies that haven't even had the blessing of coming out of their mother's bodies. We're better than Germany. You see how we can always look at somebody else as being evil and we're so righteous? That's why it's just crazy. Like I said, people that don't have God, literally untamed beasts with no guidelines regarding life, morality, treatment of others. You look at things over the age even. You know, last decades, you see the change in morals. See, the principles of God, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever, they always stand the test of time. They always are the same. But in man's system of guidelines, rules, and regulations, every time you turn around, they change. <laughs> Do you realize the, the whole LGBT argument? I think they estimate it's 0.03%. Not a tenth of a percent, 100% of the population. But we got all these laws and all this stuff going on. Now, when have you ever seen any situation, slavery, women's suffrage, Labor laws. When have you ever seen a group that only accounts for less than 10%, down to close to almost being nil, like three one-hundredths of the percent, the estimation, and that might be high, have that much power that it could sway 99.97% of a nation? When does that ever happen? Civil rights, we had to march the streets, get hosed, shot, dogs, sick on us, fire hoses hitting you with water full blasts, jails, sit-ins, you know, to the point where even we as black people couldn't do it alone. Our real estate agent was a, a Jewish woman. She walked the streets in some of those protests, got arrested. So there was black people. There was whites, there was Jews out there marching the streets for us to get power. And they still fought against it. But yet you have a minimal group here and got so much sway over what things are going on in our nation right now to the point that the president had to step in. Since when is the, the, the president in our school system defining bathrooms? Quite frankly, that's not even in his jurisdiction. He's violating his, his privileges. To be speaking to that, that's a state issue, that's an educational, that's the, 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 the NEA, amen? 
It's the president don't talk about that. It just shows you the amount of insanity that's going on right now. So like I said before, the, the number of vehement atheists and agnostics that are coming out of the closet, we're going to call it that, and opening, openly defying, criticizing, mocking, even attacking Christians and getting Christians to change their positions or back up and remain silent, it's staggering what's going on right now. And see, we're being fooled into thinking it's just that issue. Well, we saw, I forget the lady's name, um, she got locked up for not wanting to marry the people, the ministry license. Um, we see that as a major issue. We don't realize that that's not the issue. The issue is the fact that any group now coming out of woodwork can push a belief and we're sitting there swaying. Oh, what should we do? We got the North Vietnamese trying to nuke us. We got China trying to impulse us. We got so many different huge problems for our nation to worry about and we're fighting over bathrooms. One flew over the, everybody flew over the cuckoo nest. <laughs> but that's what happens when you allow ungodliness to run rampant. And to see, the thing is you open the door for one thing, they're gonna kick the door in for the rest. It never ends, it never ends. Well, what did God have us to do? Psalm 50, 14 to 23. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the most high and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction and casteth my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with them and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sitteth and speaketh against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this. Ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. So he's talking about it once again. You know, he wants us to offer unto him thanksgiving and praise to glorify him. As we see here, he doesn't want us compromising. You see somebody being a thief, not just a literal person stealing stuff, but quite frankly, somebody's out there doing things that you know to be wrong, unrighteous, or straight-out evil. He's saying you sit back and basically co-sign it with it because you're not taking a position. You're just as bad as them. And he said in that, you're basically forgetting the Lord your God. Just sit back, oh, yeah, oh, no, don't want to bother anybody. Oh, not me. Don't want to rattle a cage. I mean, they're just running all up and down in front of you, acting crazy and endorsing things, and you're just sitting back, just nodding your head, or I don't want to bother anybody, or I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be the person that, you know, standing out in the crowd when everybody else is going along. Last time I checked, Noah saved the whole earth. By standing alone in the midst of opposition, out and out criticism and ridicule to the saving of not only his family, but, you know, consequently the entire earth. Mankind 
stood in the gap of his decision. Amen. We would not be here if he had not made that righteous stance. And each one of us sometimes may be placed in a position where we have to take stances as well. It also says here, you know, seeing people that hate instruction. You know, God is trying to reason with us, to speak to us through his word, through dreams, through interaction with other people. But we're continuing to go on this path that I just want to get along with everybody. I want to be in the in crowd or the clique. Uh, I don't want to, you know, rattle any cages or I don't want to make waves. Like, okay, well, you you don't want to make waves. You might be riding the waves when God's judgment comes. Amen. So we need to take a stand. Thank God, he says that those who forget him and his promises and his guidelines, and I'm not telling us just to go attack and oppose everything, but I'm saying when God places an unction in our spirit that we need to do something or take a stand, whether it's verbally or physically, that's when we should obey God and not man. Amen? As we see here, as we stand our ground with him and offer praise to him and glorify him, he's going to make sure we see salvation. I think a lot of times we don't want to stand up because, well, everybody's going to come against me. What's going to happen to me? You know, can I withstand the opposition that I'll deal with? But as we see here, God says, if you continue to praise and glorify me, you're going to see the salvation that comes through me. God's, we're going to be all right, in other words. God's going to take care of us. Amen. Now, another thing that is taught and endorsed besides teaching that there is no God or, like I said, sometimes all roads lead to God or you could take a little bit of that and a smidgen of this and define your own religion. Um, another one is that there's governmental pressure for Christians to ignore God. Governmental pressure for Christians to ignore or disobey God. And... One of the scriptures he gave me for that was 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I exert, exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now, this basically shows us the mindset we should have. As I said, the government, you know, as we've seen recently, even the president himself has said that this is what I expect everybody to do. Now, he professes himself to be a Christian, but this is clearly contrary to the word of God. So regardless of what he professes himself to be, if something comes out of his mouth that is unrighteous and clearly contrary to the word of God, we have the right to oppose it. However, amen. However, just because we oppose a stance of his, a mindset or something he professes, doesn't mean that now we start attacking and we hate him. And oh, he, 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 I've seen so many people, oh, Obama or the Muslim, and you know these derogatory terms and things that are done. There's a difference between disagreeing with somebody's position and I despise you, I hate you, or I wish harm upon you. As we see here, God is telling us one of the first things that we need to do in our prayer, supplication, and intercession is to pray for those who are in authority over us. And 
I hear people say, he ain't my president. Okay, well, you try something against him. You're going to find out whether he's your president or not. You being a president will never find you again. If you make it to the prison. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing, regardless of how we view them. You may not disagree with them. You, I mean, uh, you may not agree with them. You may not like them. You could say, I voted against them ten times over if they're at a level um, beneath president. You may say, I don't like the governor, the senators, that congressman, oh, he's a lifer. I can't stand him. They need to run him out of office. You're going to go so far that I'm anti-military or I'm anti-military in terms of their deployment over here or there. Uh, different things they may have done in the past, such as waterboarding or, you know, putting them over in Guantanamo Bay prison. Uh, different things that people have said we did that we shouldn't have done. You could be critical of those things and you can go to the level that I don't like, you know, officers because a police officer treated me bad. Well, you can say that I had an issue, but you need to work on that heart attitude. See, it's one thing to say I don't agree with how you treated me. It's quite another one to say I hate you and I hope that harm comes your way because the word here clearly tells us to pray for all of them in authority. And I've seen that too. Um, I've seen Christians take the side of race, you know, white Christians take that side. I've seen black Christians take that side. And they don't realize when you're a black person that takes a side, you're basically going into Afrocentrism. That's not of God. God says in his word he made uh, from one blood all races to dwell upon the face of the earth. God loves us all. Amen. Underneath the surface of this, it's all pink. Amen. Anytime you cut, what's the first thing you think? You cut your arm. If it's a deep cut, you see paint. We're all paint. We just got different colors. We got different paint jobs. Underneath the surface, you're all pink. All got the same organs unless something got surgically removed. I got a body part that's no longer there. Through surgery. <laughs> you know, once in a while you get a few people that got a little, you know, mutation or a defect. There's a guy, Randy Ford, in the NBA. I don't know how it took so long to find it, but it wasn't until he got a physical when he was in the NBA. He played college basketball, you know, high school basketball. For some reason, they didn't realize until he got to the NBA that his heart is on the opposite side of his, of his body. I can't remember what the medical term is, but when you go here, like, whoa, <laughs> heart's real faint. Yeah, because it's here. <laughs> his heart's on the opposite side. But they measured him. He's, he plays basketball. He's been in the NBA for years. He's totally healthy. It's not like, oh, any risk of you're going to die early because of this. However, he got molded and formed. <laughs> Heart pushed over that side, and he's fine, though. Arteries, veins, everything's working right in his body to the point that, like I said, some of the greatest athletes on the planet, and he running up down that court, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> That's crazy. So um, underneath, we are all the same. And that's why, like I said, we can oppose people's positions, but we still must pray for them, even if they have not treated us well or we don't like their policies. I didn't like some of the policies of, of Obama. I didn't like some of the policies of the Bushes. I didn't like the policies of uh, uh, some of the policies of Ronald Reagan, you know, or, the, or Clinton. But the responsibility as a believer is, regardless of who is in office, amen, pray for them, amen. You, you heard only curses at them, oh, I hope something happened to him. I hope he only did. No, pray for him. 
because God loves that, those leaders, and even if they deny him, he might be able to spark something in their mind based upon their prayers that, you know, this is a stance I should take on this. And you might see a situation like somebody's a hardcore Republican, toe the line, and all of a sudden they do something. Wait a minute, that's a little left, that's a little left, dude. Why'd you do Oh, no, I just felt led to, could be the result of prayers instead of cursings or criticism. And people are so extreme these days. Amen? I tell people I'm independent. Like, I read, I research, and I'm not going down a party line. That's, if anything, that's kind of like a little, a little cliquish or cultish. Like, you mean to tell me just because somebody is a Republican, you believe everything they say, or somebody's a Democrat, everything they say? Well, you haven't read everything that, they, that they've done then. <laughs> Nobody's that perfect. Amen? So, yeah, you might tend to a certain party, but quite frankly, as an informed voter, you really need to look and research all the issues. And quite frankly, they all got some stuff that needs improvement. And that's why, oh, if we get these Democrats out of the White House, we can save this country. Okay, put a Republican in. Eight years from now, four years from now, I'd be like, if we can get these Democrats back in, we can fix what they all jacked up. Both sides. They all wine and dining at the same club off our taxpayer dollars. And that's the thing. People look for a party to save them instead of looking to the Savior to save them. Amen? So we need to pray for people and realize. Here's the thing we need to keep in mind. The state, when I'm saying state, I'm talking about the government powers that be, really is always in opposition with the church at the end of the day because it wants to govern it wants people to believe in what they promote it wants people to continue to vote for those who are in power and unless you see your political leaders getting up every week preaching from the bible then they ain't all that saved and all that righteous and regardless of whether an administration or regime is uh, is based upon nazism marxism communism secularism some other ism, you know, Republican, Democratic, independent, unless it's founded upon the word of God. At the end of the day, when they come to power, you best believe at some point they're going to do something that opposes the church and its beliefs. They always do, always have, always will. You know, going back to the Bible. First Timothy 6, 13 through 16 says, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, Dwelling in the light which no man can approach to, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. So we see here, there's, going, there's been a lot of rulers. There's going to be a lot more rulers should Jesus tarry. But as it relates to governmental authority, the ultimate Leader, the ultimate ruler, the supreme governor, king, is our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, 
Jesus Christ. And it says he's the only ruler who hath immortality. Matter of fact, any other ruler who gains immortality is only through him. Amen. That they gain that immortality by confessing him as their Lord and Savior. So that being the case, nobody has power to withstand him. Nobody has uh, authority to make decisions that are contrary to his. No one has a right to command or decree that people live and believe and follow a certain belief system or practice unless all roads go back to him and he has endorsed what they're doing. And unfortunately, like I said, we're seeing in our day and age a lot of leaders who are promoting things that are contrary to the word of God. And we got people, well, I can't stand Hillary because of the emails or her and her husband and Whitewater and, you know, the banking scandals and this and that and Monica Lewinsky. And you got the, the other side, you got you know, Trump then had 2,000 wives and, <laughs> okay, three. Uh, he's had a bunch of wives and. You know, he had the issues back of black, blocking black people out of his apartment complexes or marking the applications. You go back and forth, man, and make your head spin. I'm looking at it now. I was like, good Lord, do I have to vote? It's like, good. I mean, before it used to be like, okay, Lord, show me what to do. And I know at the end of the day I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. Now I don't know if it's even lesser. It's just two evils. <laughs> Two evils, like, oh my goodness, we, we don't, we, there's no win. The way I see it, there is no way to win. You can pull a lever, we're supposed to. I don't see a win this time around. For the, the first time since I was able to vote, I don't see a win. And that's tragic. Think of how far our country has declined. Uh, you know, to be to the point where this is what is on the menu <laughs> for our votes. <laughs> and the shameful thing is that they're going to all pretend at the end of the day that, you know, Republicans, we love, looks like Trump. And on the Democratic side, we love Hillary. We're supposed to forget all the battling and name calling and undermining they did before that. All the things that were said by the two of them. We're supposed to forget that and go into that voting booth and say, I'm so happy to do this. Anything, I'm going to go in like this. <laughs> Hold my nose. <laughs> Put my finger on a button and close my eyes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and as they say, pray for those in authority because we're in bad shape. We're in bad shape. You know, I, one of the things I said to people before, I said, you know what? I think either way, some people say, oh, I'm running the candidate. You ain't going nowhere. If anything, whoever wins is probably a sign of the judgment on this nation because we are in a no-win situation. If we vote, we lose. If we don't vote, we lose. But then you could blame yourself. Well, if I had voted, maybe it would have gone the other way. So you can't win. But as we see here, at the end of the day, we can pray for those in authority that, that even though we can't reach them, even though we don't agree with their positions, what they've said, what they're capable of, what they've promoted, others who follow them, the pundits, the talk show hosts, we can vote God. We can't get to them. We can't change a thing about them. But, Lord, you touched their mind and your heart. You 
talk to them in their dreams. Even if you have to trouble their dreams, you deal with them, God, and make them choose the right position or make the right decisions, even if they sit there like, how in the world did I come to this conclusion? Lord, get in their mind and make them do the right thing. So it is him that they ultimately have to obey and align themselves with. Um, And that may be standing before him in judgment. Hopefully it will be before that, that they would bend the knee and do what is right for our nation to return it to being righteous. And I have questions whether or not we've gone too far to get to the place of that spiritual restoration. Quite frankly, we're at the point where if God were to let us go for what we've done, he needs to go back and apologize to Sodom, Gomorrah, and Nineveh. Because we've done far beyond any of those nations in terms of atrocities. And I'm fairly certain God's not going to go back and apologize to them. You know, he, he wiped out the Amorites when the cup of iniquity was full. Man, how big is America's cup? Quite frankly, how big is the world's cup? Another thing that they try to teach is that we are simply products of the earth. You know, <laughs> we're all part of Mother Earth. And believe me, I'm not against ecology and green things. And, I, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to, I'm getting a little better about the things I buy. Like, you know, I think um, my ortho bug spray, I think it's more of a natural product. Still gives you the same result, but it's more natural. Um, try to buy the bulbs that are using less energy whilst giving you the same brightness and they last longer. I try to be, think about ecology. Um, but when it gets to the point that it tells us as individuals that we are products of the earth, not of a divine being who created and ordained a life for us, that's where I have a problem with it. And, and quite frankly, that's what they're trying to do. And like I said, um, it started, opened up the door when families stopped going to church and taking their, their, fam- their children there. And it got further, you know, in terms of the decline when families first weren't going to church, then the marriages dissipated and broke up, and then now you not only have children are not going to churches and learning about God, but now you got two parents bumping heads over how they should be reared, and you have situations where, well, we live with mommy, but we can get over when we go to dad's house. He's making up for la- lost time. So maybe a little rebellion. I remember seeing it with some of my friends, you know. Um, the father was big and heavy-handed. I mean, he just, hey, Brian. I'm like, oh, good Lord. Freaking broke my arm again. Heavy-handed. And the stepfather was small and meek man. I mean, without him being a well-trained martial artist, it's just like, no, you don't want to mess with him. And he would go over a couple times, so the kids knew, and they would say it sometimes. Oh, well, I can go say whatever I want to so-and-so because he don't want dad to come over. Broken family, teaching, insubordination. You know, now as adults, they all appreciate them. They're all loving And matter of fact, they're actually friends with the, the ex-dad. He comes to parties and stuff. So I was like, man, that's great. But it just allows some of that rebellion to foment in our in our children and when you get to the point you're teaching kids that instead of being products of the divine God one of the first things you do is demean them and devalue them and that's why you see the incidences of self-destruction self-destructive behavior cutting uh, and and burning 
I was on this thing um, the other day. I saw this guy talking about, you know, broke up my girlfriend. I started cutting myself and burning myself. And I cut myself and, and wrote a letter to her in, in my blood, trying to get her to come back. I said, dude, she need to run for her life. You're crazy. But I pray that you get help. But see, devaluing themselves and thinking that I'm not divine in origin. I'm just a product of the earth. So therefore, if I die, it's just biological material returning to the earth as opposed to a priceless creation of God being rendered devoid before its promises were fulfilled. See, they're teaching them I'm I'm nothing but something going back to to the ground. And hey, maybe my particles will end up in a flower, a tree, maybe part of a building construction. I'm, I'm not divine in origin. It, it cheats them, but sometimes they believe that. So now we have, like I said, children are in an age where they don't believe they have souls. They don't believe that they're divine in nature and that a loving God, an eternal God is looking down upon them. And he's smiling upon them and sees that they have a bright future, even if mommy and daddy aren't getting along. And maybe, you know, they don't have food as much as they want. They don't see themselves as having any kind of hope or having somebody above them that can change their circumstances. So we're living in an age where, you know, now children, years ago, they had problems. Like a little Johnny wants to play with his sister's dolls and like, no, don't do that. Play with the army man. <laughs> or maybe they say, oh, you play a little bit, but don't get too happy with that dog. You're going to get back over to the, to the dump truck and the Hot Wheels race is set. Now I've got a situation. I think Pam, she's saying that uh, a boy as young as four is saying that I, I think I'm a girl. I think I should be a girl. And the parents are starting to dress him as a girl and trying to make him a girl. Mommy and daddy need to be steering out in the right direction. But, but parents are so devoid of any kind of common sense or godliness that they're allowing this stuff to occur. So they're letting them experiment. They're letting them change their sexuality. In some cases, they're actually doing the actual medical, surgical procedures to transform them into something that is unnatural to God's design and purpose for their life. And it's only based at times upon a whim or a momentary attraction. You know, kids do this. You know, a girl wants to play with the boys' toys and vice versa. Or, well, why I got to put on a dress, Mommy? I want to dress in pants and stuff and go out there and play football with the boys. I mean, these things happen. Just because little Susie wants to do that don't mean she's a boy. She's a girl. She's a tomboy. And, you know, little Johnny's got a bunch of sisters surrounding him. There's not a lot of boys in the neighborhood. Yeah, he might want to, I don't have anybody play it, join and play with them in the Barbie dolls. Give me something to do. That don't mean he wants to be a girl put him in a gym or a sports league take him over his cousin's house <laughs> don't change his sex but th- these parents I mean and and the thing is even if you know I realize in this day and age you have some people that are homosexual or, or lesbians but quite frankly there are some cases where people say oh back as far as I was five or whatever I knew but a lot of times until you get to the age of puberty like your, your hormones ain't going in either direction yet you just a kid being molded and they try to make it out just to be environment or the earth and based upon the whim I'm transitioning over the word of God in Romans 1 20 through 25 says for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made 
even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So it says that there are things that are invisible from the creation of the world, but even in those things that may not necessarily be clearly seen at first, you know, we've seen so many times over the years that scientists have said, like, we notice something pulling. There's some kind of pull out there. We can't see it exactly, but... Even though we can't see what it is, we know there's something out there because of the orbit of this other thing that we can see. And then later on, they come back and say, oh, now that we have more advanced technology, we realize that was a planet that made the orbit of this larger body that we could see rotate the way it did, it does around that sun. That's the missing element we couldn't see. And we see that so many times in life. We see it in medicine. We see it um, going out to the depths of the sea. You know, every time you turn around, they find some new creature, you know, in the depths of the ocean. You know, sometimes down in a place so dark, like nothing can live down. And next thing you know, they see some kind of fish with a glowing in, in lamp on the top of his head. So there's stuff out there. But we see also that through these things, God is saying that even though you may not be able to put your finger on who I am or what my name is, the fact that all these things exist, both the unseen and the visibly seen and tangible, it should make you know that there's something out there that's higher than yourself. I think it was Carl Ball one time, he says that they found archaeological digs in ancient China preceding the days of Abraham and the Bible that point to them referring to a being that they had visitations with who spoke to them, but the things that were spoken to them tied into biblical principles. So he said God was always interacting with man even before it was officially recorded in the bible and that really makes sense because you you realize one day abram who was a mesopotamian prophet that actually believed in other gods one day the one true god came to him and made covenant with him so god was definitely talking to people it just got to the point where it was recorded for us to understand that but then we also see that not only are these things occurring but there's times where people are taking the truth of god Getting back to what I just said, you know, that there is a God, that there's certain guidelines we have to follow, that there is an absolute right and wrong instead of, oh, whatever I think is right is wrong. And then specifics regarding who we are as individuals and how God sovereignly created us. Amen? We are who he defined us to be. And if we change ourselves, even surgically, it still goes contrary to the purpose of God. Um, go to, could you go to the next slide, Kel? This is a model. Cute, right? So y'all think she's pretty? That's Jazz Jennings who was born a boy. Jazz Jennings was born a boy. How many of y'all knew that when I first went to that slide? 
has a reality show, I think on TLC. They just renewed it for a second season. This individual was born a boy. Sir, I forget what their age was. He told his parents, I really feel in my heart of hearts I'm a girl. So they immediately start, you know, letting him grow his hair, which, you know, some kids will grow their hair anyway. But as we see here, I'm not trying to be too graphic, but uh, see a little cleavage there. Which means that there's been some injections or some surgery performed at this point. <sighs> yeah. Hormone, pills, injections, surgery, something happened, but yes, yeah, oh yeah, nose job. So the parents are paying for the alterations to make jazz into a full-fledged woman. I just pray that the day doesn't come when jazz comes back. Mom and Dad, what you, why did you allow this? I'm a man. Why did you let me do all this? This is a child. You know, and they've co-signed to turning. I mean, once you get grown, you can do whatever you want to do and you can pay for it if you could afford it. But this is a child that was preteen when they start this process. And to co-sign even further is now going into the second season of a reality show, which I guess that's probably paying for a lot of the treatments being on TV. So it's a shame, but this is the sort of stuff that we're seeing going on and believe me and no hate whatsoever for jazz I mean I have no idea what it feels like to be in that body and in that mind you know I have no idea so believe me no judgment no hatred no nothing you know nothing but the love of Jesus but you know it, it's crazy and the thing is though this in a sense can subject her to physical harm because what if somebody comes none of y'all knew her right before I post a picture, you didn't know the name, didn't know the picture. This person could have walked down the street. You'd probably be like, oh, that's a pretty little girl. What if she meets a man at some points, marries her up and finds out? <sighs> that house going to go up. And <laughs> there could be some bodily harm or even death. Somebody deals with that reality. So, so many doors opened up. And it's a shame, like I said, where no consideration for how God sovereignly created you. You know, once again, they had the mindset that we are a product of, of biology and environment. And if I choose based upon my environment that I am something else, then let's get the knife and start cutting and taking away or adding or injecting and everything is okay. Romans 9, 20, 21 says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replieth against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the powder power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? See, God has the final say in who we are. You know, we, as, as people, we've defined that if I'm a man and I want to be a woman, I can be a woman, but... According to God and his principles, no, I'm the one. And he even tells us here, if we're critical of how we were formed and fashioned and manufactured, who are you to argue? God's basically saying here, who are you to argue with me? Before you were born, I knew what I wanted you to be. And therefore, I had the final say in that. But unfortunately, mankind sees it another way. Um, last part for today, government 
The government and mankind are attempting to define righteousness. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So we definitely see that all the time now. People calling evil good. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. And anybody that speaks up against the people who are promoting a certain thing that's evil, and we're defining evil not according to our political viewpoint or what we desire. We're declaring and defining evil based upon what God says is unrighteous. And he's telling us here, who are you, you know, who are you to call it good? It doesn't matter what the trends are. It doesn't matter what decade we're in. It doesn't matter how technologically advanced we are. God says, if I've defined something as evil, who are you to justify it, call it good, make it feel better about itself, justify it, nod your head, smile pretty, just get along, and don't make waves. Who are you to do that when I define it as evil? Once again, going back to Hitler, they didn't come out on the first day and say, kill the Jews. You know what they did? First of all, they said, they're dishonest in business. Hey, look, here's the proof. Look at us. We're barely making ends meet. I'm broke. Yo, I'm broke too. Yeah, they took over that company we were working at, and they laid some of us off. Well, you know what? I'm working there, but I heard they're paying some of those Jewish guys more than they're paying us. Yeah, they're not honest. Another kind. I went to buy a house off of them. I could have got that, bar that house cheaper. They wouldn't budge. Yeah, they're not honest. That's how they started the next phase, not only are they not honest, but they're thieves. And they do this, and they do that. So they start dosing them with more and more mistruths. Then after a while, they got to a point where, you know, we shouldn't be in the same neighborhood, so let's push them out. Put them over here. Segregate them. Then they keep going on and on to finally, let's exterminate them. See, by the time they worked on them with the first part and it kept growing, when they got to the point of wiping them out, yes, there were some people that said, let's not do that. I posted a picture this week where they showed people, um, black and white photo, very old. You can see it's an old photo. You see a whole group of people following Nazism like this, you know, the Heil Hitler. There's one guy in the crowd like this. Like, wow, one guy in the crowd. Like, I ain't, I ain't hollering Hitler. I ain't hollering nothing. This ain't right. But everybody else around him, signing on for evil. So um, God tells us to be that guy. <laughs> nope. Well, you don't understand. Well, you supersist. Man, oh, they'll, become, they'll try to come to you spiritually. Well, that's a misinterpretation of the Bible, or men wrote Bible, the Bible, and oh, man, that was like over 2,000 years when they wrote that. They couldn't possibly foresee circumstances today and how we need to change our... Get out of here. 
That's how they try to make evil good. They try to say, okay, well, I agree that you read that in your word, but uh, it's based upon an earlier time. Because look, after all, back in the Bible, women were just in the house making babies. They're out working out, Christian. You let your wife work, Christian man. So if you change that and you didn't make your wife stay home, then we can alter it. No, no, no. Yeah, go back to the principles that were involved. Amen? So something that's absolutely evil and impure in the sight of God is always evil and impure in his size. And it says here, God is issuing a warning. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Let's see what time it is. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, final one for today, Romans 10, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it. I'm just tell you about it. Paul's basically saying his heart's desire is that all Israel will get saved. And as we, part, as we are viewing this subject, we should be looking at all of America. Those who are saved to continue to prosper and grow and stay well-informed and prayerful in the Lord. Those who are not saved, our heart should be, you know, instead of becoming the enemies of those who are promoting this or justifying that or living in this or that. Instead of looking at them a negative and unrighteous and angry way, we should be praying, Lord, you do whatever it takes to save them. And Lord, if there's a possibility that you could use me to reach them, use me as a person to speak into their lives and show them love. So our job is not to come down with a harsh rod of judgment. Amen. God is the final judge and jury jury everybody's lives. So we are um, not the ones to render judgment. Instead, we're supposed to be the agents of God, the love letters to this world, that there's a God out there who loves them, who wants to throw his arms around them and save them. And here we see here as well that we want people to get to the place through our ministry to them and our prayers that they believe in their heart and they confess out of their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I think sometimes, you know, people take the mindset, well, I'll get saved once I get my act together or once I get this out of my life or once I'm delivered from this or once I get this goal, then you don't know if you have tomorrow or the next moment or the next heartbeat. And in terms of us ministering to them, we need to share that you get saved now, let God worry about all the cleanup work. Don't get to some measuring point where you think that needs to occur. So because of their folly and desire to define their own form of righteousness, God, despite all that, still loves them and desires that they confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And our job is to love and pray for them instead of lashing out at them with hatred, self-righteous attitude, and judgment. Amen. All right, so we'll continue on next week. As I said, the um, purpose of this series is not to instill doom and gloom. It's just to say, no, we need to be alert and be prayerful and be mindful of the times and look at the signs of the times and say, hey, this stuff should be speaking to us about where America is spiritually and where it could be going and what role are we going to play in that? Are we just going to sit back and just be asleep on our posts and just watch it go further or are we going to do our part. Yeah, none of us might be, not be this great ruler to turn the nation around, but we could do our little part in our neck of the woods, our sphere of influence. We could do as much as is within us as led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, honor, and glory once again for speaking to us, Lord, and Lord, just show us how to walk according to your word, according to your principles. If we've um, been deceived or um, have succumbed to any deception, 
any intimidation or if we have fallen for any lies according to the enemy. Father, we just thank you that you would realign us according to your word, that we would walk in the spirit of truth in all things. And we just praise and thank you, Father. Show us how to pray effectively for those who you inter- have us interact with. Show us how to minister to them. Show us how to speak things that or, or do actions that will truly speak to their heart. And we just thank and praise you, Father, for this. We do pray, Father, for the nation, for our leaders, for the atmosphere of the political arena, for our schools, for our homes, for our neighborhoods, that you would not only touch them, but also, Father, show us how we can be people of impact. And we just thank and praise you, Father, for this. Also praise you that you would touch the hearts of people, Christians throughout the entire nation and world to pray, to turn our country around. And we thank and praise you, Father, for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.